0: You're listening to Asheville FM at WSFM LP 103.3 FM, Asheville. You can stream us live or archive at www.ashvillefm.org. Hey,
1: everybody. Welcome to Solutions for the Underaffiliated, a show to help frustrated people by taking a positive spin on serious challenges. Today, we're going to be talking about accessibility or the lack thereof. But first, it's February 2nd. And that means, yes, it's Groundhog Day, but it's also ukulele day. So if you know anybody who's got a ukulele or you have a ukulele yourself, feel free to bring it out. Everyone will be excited to hear from you and your ukulele today. We're also trying to get feedback from listeners during the show. So text your comments and ideas to 828 543 0935. That's 828 543 0935. Getting back to the task at hand we have Priya Ray, founder of DIY Abled, with us today. Welcome, Priya. Tell us a little bit about yourself and DIY Abled.
2: Okay. Well, my name is Priya Ray. I am an Indian American woman. I also disabled. I had a spinal cord injury in 1999. Before that, I was in a band and part of this DIY. To explain what DIY is, it's do-it-yourself. And there's a huge DIY network of artists and musicians that just like to go and do it themselves and provide spaces to play music or show art. And so that's what I was a part of before I became disabled or severely disabled, as I like to put it. Um, So I did my rehab at Shepherd Center in Atlanta. And while I was in there, they They were like, the ADA, you have the ADA, you have rights as a disabled person. And so I was under this impression that, oh, I won't have a problem. I'll just go in my wheelchair and live like life like I used to. But then, of course, I went into the real world and discovered that very few people knew about the ADA and very few people, businesses are ADA compliant. And then it was more frustrating when people didn't even even know about it. So, you know, I also am not the type of person that I like to experience a lifestyle, disabled lifestyle, which was the disabled lifestyle for a little bit before I started complaining and making, you know, speaking out about it. So I I don't know, about 10 to 12 years went by as a disabled person when I just decided, okay, now I need to like start educating people about disability and why accessibility is so important, not only for disabled people, but everyone in the community. And so that is how DIY able came to the world,
1: Let's say. So let's talk for a minute about um, some of those things that you're working on. So tell us a little bit about what the issues are, because I think from that we'll learn a little bit more about what the challenges are. So, what are the handful of things that you work on and that you're interested in and that we're, and you're frustrated about?
2: You know, it has changed over time. I think DIY able. I started it, I think, in 2013 ish. I, so you know, it's like what I focus on has changed over time. But really, what I've been focused on lately is accommodations because disabled people. Have, according to the ada that was passed in 1990 have a right to be accommodated and that means accommodated in infrastructure so those would be curb cuts ramps or any other kind of thing that allows disabled people to move freely in a community then there's accommodations for education so getting assistance to have education then there's accommodations for work which is assisting disabled people to be able to work. I think that also filters, there's media, so social media, television shows that we watch, even news. Um, What are the the accommodations for things like that? So that's what I'm focusing on a lot lately. I have
0: a question. So how have you noticed things change since 99 or have they changed? since 1999, you know, when you first entered this world?
2: Okay. So that's a good question because I don't want to, I'm going to say the pandemic is really where I saw a huge shift for the disabled community. And I believe that, so since 1999, in my world, di in the DIY why world where I play music, I didn't really see that much change. I saw like the DIY bands that like the DIY community has always been about helping, helping marginalized people. So people of color, women, LGBTQ, but not really disabled people. And I didn't realize that till I became disabled and then was being left out of this community that I actually helped create. And that really frustrated me. So I didn't see, and that's why I decided to start speaking out because I before thought my presence would be, you know, as an Indian woman being in this DIY scene, I felt my presence was enough to kind of represent that group but with disability it didn't seem to register with people so i felt like i really had to say say something but when i really saw people starting to recognize and kind of pay attention to accessibility was during the pandemic and i think it's because people that were not severely disabled started experiencing what severely disabled people were experiencing yeah. and started paying attention a little more so that's really when I noticed a big change.
0: So I know just from my completely able-bodied experiences that over the years, especially since 1999, I've noticed in workplaces, in public places, in, in bars and restaurants, in theaters, there just seems to have been, even just driving and parking places, a lot of change. And I know that a lot of, Places have been called to task and have implemented changes, so I was just wondering if that's the kind of thing that that you noticed as well over the the couple of decades it's been
2: yeah i don't I can't say I've noticed a drastic change, you know, I go from people that are super understanding and they understand their place is not accessible, so they're willing to figure out how to include you in the space, which I think is a good thing because I am a strong believer in community. So I think while we have laws, I think community is a really important piece of that puzzle. So, so yeah, I do think that businesses, disabled people tell them like, Hey, you're not accessible. And, you know, and if you keep following up, they're going to, make those changes. And it's the law, really. I was
0: going to say, it's not just, it's not just the good heart of the businesses or the public places. It's, it's the enforcement. So I guess that was one of the things, you yeah. know, was disabled just
2: people curious. are like, we, we don't want your kindness. We want you to include us. And that's <laughs> like a huge repeat repetitive thing that disabled people say all the time. So,
1: so, so Priya, let's, let's, I think when we think about accommodations or accessibility things come to mind like ramps things come to mind like larger restroom stalls there's other things that we see for folks on the the, for for folks listening in what are some of the very specific things that you're saying right now is we should really do this to be compliant with ada we need this to help people really understand what's missing what are the gaps
2: okay well the I think the gaps are just not having disabled people at the table. So when you're building something, let's say a community, of course, you need to include everybody, you know, disabled people, people of color, women, LGBTQ people, white people, poor people, everybody needs to be at that table to build a community, of course. But let's say it's a restaurant, then, you know, if you're, I don't know, it's like a restaurant, I, I guess restaurants a bad idea. Cause that's a business and it's a one or one or a couple of people putting in money.
0: Well, there's it, also probably building codes and inspectors who would come in and say, no, this isn't wide enough, or this is too steep or. And it, architects
2: will inform people like, Hey, this is not ADA compliant. Right. They know that, but some businesses, if they've already got a building that's been built already, like in the early 1900s, which was not accessible, um, you know, they might not want to invest the money it cost. But sometimes accessibility is also not that much money. But I notice people aren't willing to even if it's $50 Fifty dollars or something. They don't want to. So I think it's really important. Like if you're building like a like a like a public entity place, you need to have people at the table that are also disabled because they are going to be like, wait a second, you're building like for instance the river that new project at the River Arts District. They built it, and I'm guessing they got state money from it. And it, they didn't follow the ADA compliant rules. So now they're trying to fix it, but it's going to cost more money. Mm-hmm. So it's like you build something with accessibility in mind, and it will be accessible to everybody, including non-disabled people. And it won't cost as much money to repair it.
0: What about accessibility? Maybe not so much for movement infrastructures, but for people's attitudes or how people dress disabled people or how they, um, I know this is something that Eric and I talked about a little bit beforehand. Sometimes, sometimes, you know, let me back up for a minute. I think that younger people now are brought up in a much more inclusive society. So our children or grandchildren are going to have different experiences than we did. So for for people who weren't brought up with that kind of diversity, uh, what kind of, what would you like us to say or do differently that maybe you see us, us doing and um, in, out in the world?
2: Yeah, that's, I don't know. It's interesting. So there is a term for that it's called ableism. So ableism is a bigotry or bigotry or oppression due to the ability you have. And ableism is a mindset that has been enforced in humanity since the beginning of time so like you know a lot of younger people get mad as if it's just something that's occurred recently but this is just the way humans have done things forever so now we're living in I just like to say we're living in a renaissance time right now where we have techno and the pandemic has taught us that we have technology and we have things available to us that we didn't have before. And we have these online video sharing things and all different ways where we can include an entire community. It's really hard work. I believe me, I like gone into the DIY community to be like, Hey, you should have an online component. You know, it, we know it's, it's possible because we've seen it happen in the last three years, but you know, there, it, there's a lot of dragging feet about that because it's just, and i understand i don't get angry about this cuz it's another thing you have to think about and you know business owners are under a lot of pressure now the economy's bad we've had this like last 3 years where businesses are trying to figure out how to keep open and doing things and then i have to worry about another way to like include people is something they're not thinking about now but I think it is something they will think about later and I do think that that young generation who I love I don't know what generation this is called now I I don't know what this generation is generation y x whatever I mean I I'm generation x and my friend was like saying that generation x like the kids that they're raising are anytime i interact with this generation they are so on board with what i'm doing and are figuring out ways to make things inclusive whereas generation x and a little older not so much they're they drag their feet a lot
0: like so- you know i i'm going to say i don't know that it's dragging feet i when i know when i was going to school there weren't disabled people around they were in a special class someplace and we just didn't have interactions with them, so we didn't have that learning. We didn't get to see they're just like you. They they are just as smart or not as smart as as the rest of the people. You know, as the rest of the kids in the class. You know, whatever they run the gamut, and they're just people just like the rest of them. Uh, you know, like you and I, right, right. and the younger people. They've had all of that exposure, and so they they take it more for granted.
2: I mean, yeah. If we think about it, the ADA was passed in 1990. So all of a sudden disabled kids, grade school kids are now interacting with non-disabled kids and maybe even doing better than them in school and going to college or whatever, whatever their experience is. So they, they kind of understand that disabled people aren't lesser than them or less intelligent than them or aren't people that can contribute to our communities but with the older people just gotta keep telling them and telling them in a nice way you know and i'm very a big supporter of explaining to people why why something needs to happen in a certain way and it's hard work like you know like i i do talk to a lot of younger people that are running diy spaces i'm like this is how you need to be accessible and they're like Oh, I don't have time for that. I can't do that. And I'm like, it's okay. I'm I'm just explaining to you how to be completely accessible and you do what you can. Yeah. Do what you can. And you know, because I think that acknowledging acknowledgement of at least trying to be as accessible as you can is better than not doing it at all.
1: Yeah, let's let's build on that because I think it'd be helpful if we spoke a little bit more about anything really about these challenges. So we've got things like generational challenges. I'd love to hear more about some of the process challenges you spent, you talk about. You know, when people resist, why do they resist if it's the law? So let's take a break, and then we'll jump back in, and we'll talk about some of that. 103.3 Asheville FM can now announce a birthday, anniversary, thank employees, or announce an event on air. Maybe even on your favorite show or shows. Because it is a form of sponsorship, making an announcement on Asheville FM is 100% tax deductible and you'll be supporting a community resource at the same time. Contact Robert at AshevilleFM.org for more information. Programming support is also brought to you by our contributing listeners and by Different World. That's WRLD, a diverse LGBTQ run creative studio and performance space open to all creators located at 701 Haywood Road in West Asheville open Thursday through Sunday. Different World offers a full bar and hosts a range of shows and events. More info is at differentwrld.com. We're back with Priya Ray, the founder of DIY Abled, which is an advocate advocacy group for disabled people. Is that a okay way to describe it, Priya?
2: Um, I actually like to call it a nonprofit where I educate people about disability and why accessibility important is important, but of course, doing that is advocating for disabled people. So, right. But I just like to like explain that because I want to bring everyone into the boat. I don't want to just be oh, because I, in my opinion, I feel as a human species, we are all we are disabled compared to other species. So. I just feel every human is disabled in a certain way. It's just severely disabled people are being not included because of so
1: so, so in the, I think that's really helpful for folks. So in that kind of framework, then, we were talking before the break about really a perception gap, in that in younger folks, they've been around more disabled people. they hear it in their lessons. And they may be more inclusive and the older generations may not be. And one of the questions that came up in my my mind is, okay, if that's the situation and there's the Americans with Disabilities Act out there that says there should be compliance and there's still a need for a group like yours, tell us a little bit about why um, there's this disconnect.
2: There's a disconnect because unless you're disabled and not being able to do things, you don't you just don't realize, and I mean i I can say that about myself. I was not severely disabled all my life. I was twenty nine years old when it happened to me, and it really wasn't till I became disabled in a wheel in a wheelchair user when I started realizing how a lot of things are missing. So I think the disconnect is there because if you're just walking down the street doing your thing, you're not really thinking about. Oh, this curb cut is broken. Oh, this sidewalk is not this, or there's no curb cut here, or there's not an accessible parking spot here, or the bathroom isn't accessible enough for a severely disabled person to use. I think you just live life and you're just doing your thing and you just don't experience how you're left out of these things because of that. So I think that's where the disconnect comes for everybody, no matter what the generation is. I just think the younger generation have perhaps had more interaction with disabled people, severely disabled people. So when a disabled person says like, hey, this doesn't work for me, they're gonna actually try to change it. And I think even older people who are alive when the ADA did not even exist, like the ADA is only like, I think this year will be 33 years old. It's not that old. So like if you're older than 33 years old, which I am, you don't like that. It, the Civil Rights Act of the disability community is not known. Disability history is not known. And I think because of that, there's a disconnect. I mean, even being Indian, the history of Indians in America is unknown. It does exist, but it is just never shown. So we just don't know about it. And so I think that's why there's a disconnect with disability rights is because people of color's rights and the LGBTQ rights and women's rights have just been really shown on TV, Show documentaries have been made about it. Um, they're taught about it in history and schools. But I think we all know I didn't learn about anything about the disability right movement in college or later in life and so and I still don't think they teach about that in school now so I will say during right at the beginning of the pandemic a good thing happened for the disabled community was Crip Camp came out which was actually nominated for an Oscar and it's if you haven't had a chance to see it I believe it's on Netflix and on YouTube too so look it up it's called Crip Camp and it's a it's it kind of shows the beginnings of that civil rights movement in the like in the Crip early... camp as in
0: C R Y P C R I P C R I P okay
2: so
1: can you describe a little bit obviously there's still a need for a group like yours we're also talking about how there are whether it's a, a movie or whether it's done in school or how more and more people are becoming aware of the need but yet perhaps changes aren't being implemented. So why do you feel like maybe changes and to more accommodations and accessibility isn't happening?
2: Well, I think the number one factor is money, because I will say, in my opinion, I think also since the beginning of time of humanity, money has always been what Is the ultimate power. Um, So people with money kind of control the world in a way. So if people don't want to put money towards accessibility, they find it, you know, they devalue disabled people so they don't want to invest the money in it. Um, I think that's the number one factor. I think we still need to realize disabled people are valued people in our communities, that they can also contribute something to our communities that we might've never even thought of. So that's why diversity, including di- disabled people, like we say, we want them to have a space at the table. They're gonna enrich that community or enrich that organization in so many ways that we just don't even realize yet.
1: So maybe it would be helpful to talk a little bit about how the process goes, to really understand how to include, because I'm wondering, and maybe I'm the only one, but I'm still kind of struggling with the fact that there is a legal obligation, I think, to make some of these changes, whether it's a new business or in a business, but they're not happening. And so you're saying that there's a money that, you know, money talks and, and people, when people have money, they can make these changes, but it doesn't necessarily change the fact that there's a process that this should be included in. So is there anything in the process that's flawed?
2: Well, one process is the disability rights movement had a really great success in 1990 when the ADA was passed, but there's still more work to do to push the ADA more. Like currently there in the ADA, there's a loophole saying a business is obligated to make it accessible, but. If it costs too much money for them to make it accessible, then they are not required to make it accessible. So for instance,
0: I did not know that that's crazy.
2: Yeah. So like if a building, you know, like you need to have an elevator in it, if it's going to cost that business, like, I don't know, $50,000 to put an elevator, then they don't have to put that elevator in. So that is one thing. Um, There is no... Right for disabled people for housing, like there's no nothing in the ADA that says you need to, you know, make housing accessible for disabled people. So there's still a lot more work to be done, and that's the next. This is this will be the next push for disability rights is, uh, and then online accessibility. There's like a lot of stuff going on with that. There's a wonderful activist named Haben Girma, who I believe she's a first-generation Nigerian immigrant, and also the first graduate graduate of—I don't want to say the wrong school. I can't—I re- can't remember if it's Harvard or Yale. But she's a blind, deaf graduate of Harvard or Yale Law School, and I can't remember which school it is. But one of those fancy Ivy League schools, and so. She is she's decided to, you know, not be this lawyer that's making tons of money and work on disability rights and she's a forefront lawyer that's fighting for accessibility online accessibility and I think there was a lawsuit with target they had a website and there was some lack of accessibility for disabled people. And she went and fought and actually won. And she's just a wonderful person. So she has a book out called Hobbin. Read that. And if you ever get a chance to see her speak, you should, because she's an amazing. So and how do you was, spell the name? Hobbin, her name is spelled H A-B-E-N. And then her last name is Girma,
0: which is G-I-R-M-A. So I, one of the things that came up in our preliminary conversations, Priya, is that, and this is something that I actually knew about but had forgotten about, and, and the idea that it hasn't changed is crazy, that people who are disabled and are collecting disability, and the reason they're collecting disability is because being disabled is more expensive than not being disabled, and, but you are limited in being able to work. So and I don't know if it's the same way that it used to be, but there is such a disconnect between the amount of money that you're able to work before you lose all of your disability benefits and the amount that you would need to make to be able to compensate for that is su- such a wide gap that a lot of disabled people don't wind up working because it would screw up so many other things. Does that still exist?
2: yeah that's uh another great question so currently if you are a disabled person getting benefits which is not a lot i get i personally get about eight hundred dollars a month which you know we all know like what is that that barely even covers rent so but you are not allowed to have more than two thousand dollars of assets every month and there are people, disabled activists fighting to pass change that through Congress um, to allow disabled people to have $10,000 a month in assets a month instead of 2000 to allow them to build a life. And so because of this $2,000 a month limit, disabled people are afraid to work or afraid to make too much money. And I consider that I could, I did an interview last year and I told him that the government literally keep disabled people in this financial prison, if you want to call it that. It's like a form of financial bigotry, like saying, if you're disabled, you can't have more than two thousand dollars. If you're disabled and you want to get married, then your benefits will be taken away or be lessened. If you if you're married to another disabled person, you have to live off of that one disabled person's benefits. But and- it's
0: not just the benefits, isn't? It's not just the monthly dollars. It's also access to the healthcare, isn't that right? Um, Does that always it- stay.
2: Um, well, if you are on benefits, you do have Medicare and Medicaid, depending on which state you, I mean, you always get Medicaid and each state is different, but that's why disabled people can't, there isn't like one path for them to, for this financial levity is because Medicaid is state run and each state is so different. So for instance, I lived in California my partner Robert is my caregiver and he got paid monthly by the state of California, but the state of North Carolina does not pay caregivers. So a very few States actually pay caregivers. New York so, does. Yeah. And so it's hard to get caregiving and yeah. Yeah. So it's just like, so, you know, like a friend and I, during the pandemic, we thought we'd start this business trying to help disabled Kids become disabled adults because we noticed a lot of kids, their parents are kind of doing all the work for them. And then when they kind of become adults, they're are they they're not succeeding as much as they should because they don't really know how to work the system. And and I was an adult when I was disabled, so I had more knowledge of how to work the system and get what I needed for myself. So for me, I have not really had a problem with the insurance part of being disabled. My problem is more with the money getting being able to earn money and
0: right. You can't go and take some fifty or eighty thousand dollar a year job that would that anybody else would be able to take to even in even within your own community
2: yeah and and that's also like another thing I do want to discuss as like a solution is also time, like we don't think about time as accessibility, but disabled people, whether they have chronic pain or different other issues that they have to do in the morning, they can't get to that job by 9, 9 a.m. in the morning because they'd literally have to wake up at 3 a.m. to get to that job at 9 a.m. And so so time is also an accessibility accommodation which you know isn't written into the ADA and stuff like that so you know so employers aren't really obligated to let a person work from home i mean you know pre pandemic times like in early 2000 uh I, I had a job and my pain had started getting really bad and it was really hard for me to go into that job and the mother of the business owners were really wanted to accommodate me and promised me all these things but then it was her son that owned the business and her son was like no we're not going to do that because we can't trust her to honestly say the hours she's working so we don't. I don't want her to to pay her to work from home. But then, of course, during the pandemic, I would like to talk to that business owner and be like, "So, what did you do during the pandemic? Did you let people work from home? And how did that work out for you? Because now studies do say." People are more productive working from home. And believe me, disabled people, if they were allowed to work from home, they would be productive because they're dying to have jobs and being part of the community. They would be productive, but they can't make
0: too much money. Exactly. It's, so, you know, it's so- such a circle from that. So, Eric, are we almost ready to uh, go to the, our next segment?
1: Well, we are. We, we are. We're very close. And I guess I just want to make sure that we've kind of got this right because as folks you know one of the things that happens with a free form conversation is a lot of dots are out there and they don't get connected but what i'm hearing really a big challenge is connecting a lot of these dots related to i don't want to call them 100% just discriminatory but in some cases there's this perceived expense that comes with disabled people and that expense could be measured in productivity it could be measured in building new accommodations it could be just in general, just having to think about it. I mean, are those kinds of the things that really we're we're looking to change?
2: Yeah, we're looking to change the mindset. How, I mean, we're living in a new age and we really need to update our mindset and the way we're doing things. Um, and yeah, I mean, personally, that's what I, I think the updating the mindset is the most important thing. Cause I think everything else will fall in place once. Okay. That
1: so let's, let's take that break and then we'll come back and we'll talk about some of the specific things we can do to change that mindset. We'd like to thank all our current sponsors for helping to keep us on the air. Becoming a 103.3 Asheville FM business sponsor allows you to spread the word about your business to thousands of loyal listeners while supporting our community radio station at the same time. Contact Robert at AshevilleFM.org. Tune in Mondays from 6 to 8 p.m., everybody. For Joyful Noise with Abby Katz, for cool music and community on Asheville FM, Mondays at 6. We are still with Priya Ray, our guest today from DIY Abled. And what we've been talking about are some of the limitations and gaps we have in accommodating and treating our fellow citizens with disabilities with appropriate accommodations and adequate funding and adequate respect and and, and dignity. And we've covered a lot of ground. And some of the main points of that conversation are that there are limitations on the amount of wealth a disabled person can accumulate. So we might wanna talk about shifting that. There is a lack of funding and loopholes within our laws related to spending money on accommodations. And the last thing I think we wanna talk about, maybe this is the most important one, Priya, is the mindset that we have and I think it's very difficult for everybody to think about any group, whether it's disabled people or members of the LGBTQ community or whatever it is, all the time. But the purpose here is to say, how can we think about disabled folks more? And how can we start to think about how we can be more accommodating to them as we, as we have plans for new buildings and new ventures and just everyday life? So I'm going to open it up to you. And what do you think?
2: Well, I like to say as human beings, we really have three things in common, being born, being disabled and dying because every human will experience disability. And so I think once we start understanding that, then, you know, then we're like, oh yeah, of course we need to do this so we can include this person. Um, So I think that's just the main part of the, conversation is that disability, everyone will experience it somehow, whether it's a sprained ankle, that's a disability. Even being pregnant is a disability because a woman, when she's pregnant, can't do everything that she can do when she's not pregnant. So disability isn't a bad thing. And I think that's when we need to like change the mindset that being disabled isn't bad. It just means simply you cannot do something. And as a society, we need to start, you know, stop patting ourselves on the back because we saved lives and improved the lifespan of humanity. Because the longer humans live, the more chance they're going to have to be disabled. So, how are we going to accommodate these lives that we're saving and expanding? And we really need to think about that.
0: It's really interesting because I know um, when I was learning about insurance that, believe it or not, I went to the College of Insurance. One of the statistics is that every single person or the statistics were incredibly high will experience disability at some point, even if it's short term disability. And um, and obviously, the older you get, the more or the less functionality you have, so that really is such an interesting point. I think that um, that all of us should should take that into consideration a little more. Um, you know, I know there's no way I was severely disabled, but I had extremely limited mobility for about a year and a half, and really had to rethink everything. I think maybe if people, you know, we're talking about solutions, if people were to reflect on that and think about what kind of changes or accommodations you or a family member or a friend have had to make when you've gone through a, a period of disability or find yourself permanently dis- with a disability. You know, what? what, what is that like and what, what would you like to be able to have for you there?
1: So let's build on that for a second because I think that's a good idea. You know, what are some situations where you think that people could actually think in that moment, wow, I would hate to be disabled in this situation because I think one of the challenges is people aren't mostly disabled when they are, they probably think about the things that are most immediate to them, but are there examples and and advice you would give to people to say, Hey, next time you're out in the supermarket or the next time you're out on the sidewalk or, you know, the next time you're out, think about this. What would those things be?
2: Well, I always like say, Hey, you know, like the infrastructure, for instance. Okay. So sidewalks, and, you know, Asheville's like a very biking, walking, using the city, you know, like more than a lot of other cities. And so I'm like, yeah, when you're in the, s- the sidewalk and you see this like horrendous end of the sidewalk where the curb cuts all broken, maybe make there. And there is like something called a- Asheville app. So you can actually take a picture of it and upload it to this Asheville app. And people do look at that. Um, I had an Asheville accessible, I I, I do this thing called the Asheville accessible project. And we had our first meetup at Different World with, and Kim Rooney came and we we were talking about that. And she's like, people do look at this, so people should use this. And so that's like one way as uh, as an, you know, if you want to be an ally, maybe, you know, kind of inform yourself about accessibility you know of course if your your life experience doesn't include having to be accessible that's going to be a hard thing to do but a couple of things like a curb cut that's broken a sidewalk where it's like you know so broken that I can't go over it in a wheelchair but a person could also trip on it and hurt themselves like this is all these things are created not only for accessibility for people, but for people's safeties, you know, curb cuts, lots of people use curb cuts, not only wheelchair users, moms with strollers. Currently, you know, the sidewalks are so narrow. It's like, Uh, you know, and some strollers are like much wider than my wheelchair. So I'm like, you know, so sidewalks aren't wide enough for some strollers. So it's, it's just for everybody. It's not only for disabled people. We're doing this. It's for everybody. And so that's really my goal with the Asheville Accessible Project is to talk about accessibility for everyone, not only disabled people, but I think disabled people need to lead that. Because obviously accessibility is so
0: important for us because that is the only way we can be a part of a. You know, you mentioned um, that, oh, somebody could trip on that sidewalk. Uh, It's not just that I couldn't get over it with my wheelchair, but I'm I know there are plenty of people who just don't have who either have limited mobility or they've got a shorter um, stride or they aren't able to maybe lift their foot up so high. Uh, or maybe they're walking with a cane or a walker. So, you know, I think to, and one of the things I'm taking away is you don't have to think about somebody who's severely disabled in a wheelchair to be able to be conscious of Mm. what types of things you come across that could stand to be fixed.
2: And it is the law. It has to be fixed. So, Yeah, so the Asheville app, Asheville is fortunate to have this app. So you can just take a picture of something like, oh, this sidewalk's broken. You should fix it. Now, what's
0: that app again, in case our listeners want to uh, make note of it so that they can download it and have it ready on their phone should they come across something that they think needs attention?
2: It's called the Asheville
0: app. All right. How easy could that be? (laughs) Very (laughs) easy. excellent and then when you get on there is there something specific that you select or it's
2: different things it's not only just for that but um, well if that's, that's you
0: what you wanted to do what's it called what's the button or the feature called
2: you hit a new request and then okay you, like what are you trying to report and then it's like a traffic or parking report of trash um water leak graffiti, paving needed, potholes, street side damage, sidewalk repair, stormwater drainage, street light and traffic signals, transit, and then
0: general questions. All right, so it sounds like if someone comes across something or if somebody is interested in in helping out with this, uh, this, that sounds like a really good way to try to convey that information to provide a solution because it sounds like it's something that the city is paying attention to, at least at some level.
2: Yeah, totally. And I can tell you there's a lot of cities that don't do that. So, right. I mean, I don't know. I think we're fortunate that Asheville is trying on some level. We really need this residents of Asheville to participate, you know, and that's really what you need. Like when we were at that meeting, Kim was like saying, there's all these things that we could do, but really what we need behind it is the power of the people.
1: So one of the things that we have another chance to do because we're on the radio is to do things like talk about the Asheville app and how to report these issues and be more empathetic. We also have the chance to kind of think about from the standpoint of, I want to go back to this productivity issue at work. Mm -hmm. So we can start to talk a little bit about folks who may have small businesses or who may be in a position at an organization where they can make hiring decisions and make accommodation decisions. And let's talk a little bit about how you would talk to them about the productivity and the capabilities of people with disabilities.
2: Well, you know, of course, every business is different. So like, of course, if you're a restaurant, I don't know how you can accommodate a disabled person to work from home as a waiter, service person. But, you know, if you say, I don't know, a bank or, you know, a graphic design place or any kind of place, it's like, you know, if you have a disabled person that is qualified for the job, but maybe they need to work from home. I think we've learned in the pandemic that is completely possible. Um, It won't cost you a lot of money, the internet. I mean, maybe you should provide that person with a computer, but most people have computers to be able to do their job. And so that's one way to accommodate a person. You know, time-wise, it's like if there's a certain job that needs to be done. Why not t- say I need this job done by this time? Whenever you can do it, whatever time frame you can do that in, just right. do that. But it needs to—it's due by this date.
1: Right. Because one of the things that is I think true today, which we're realizing, is that because of the internet and being able to work from home, the day gets extended, and so the eight-hour workday is almost a thing of the past because at least I know many people who work at home at night. And so really there isn't a barrier to, if you work at home, there shouldn't be a barrier to getting things done. And that, like you said, that falls right into the, to the hands of, you know, eager and capable.
2: Definitely. And um, yeah, I just think the working from home thing is like so important. Disabled people have literally been asking this for so many So, like, they're a little angry now because the pandemic happened and everybody shifted so quickly. Like, it wasn't like, it didn't take a year to shift. It took like a month or two before everybody was, like, using Zoom or Google Chats and all these things to, like make sure their employers could, employees could still, you know,
0: do the job that they need to do. So, And they're resisting the. A lot of the employees are resisting going back to the office now, exactly. yeah, because which why... uh, is really interesting because a lot of places are grappling with that. So, you yeah. know, it, you had said before um, that, for example, a restaurant, you can't wait tables or, or cook in the kitchen well, maybe you could cook in the kitchen depending on what your disability is. (laughs) And well, the other thing is not everyone is disabled the same way, right? So, um, and so the other thing that I thought about was restaurants have to have someone who's gonna tally the books and do payroll and all that other stuff. So not everything in every business is what you might think about. So like every bank doesn't have to have tellers. Um, there are plenty of other jobs to be done at a bank. So that's and a no
2: living in this online world. So it's like I feel like banks. And even like electric companies and stuff, they they're doing it. So they have to have employees doing things online. And yeah, the resistance to going back to work. I mean, I have a friend that's a single mother. So she was able to work from home. And now her son's about to go to junior high. She doesn't want to she wants to be home to make sure her son isn't going to get in trouble and so this doesn't only accommodate disabled people it accommodates everybody
1: so we've got some really good solutions so far i think one is i think the idea of the mindset and being aware and being empathetic and thinking about just i think what you, what everyone has been saying is everyone can have a disability and it's about thinking about being in a situation where that disability is affected and then the second thing is is i kind of want to widen the ideas for the business community, get them to think about there's a huge opportunity of employing disabled people just on a number of levels. The last thing I kind of see as a solution, what are the three or two to three things that you think about from like a legislative perspective to close some of these loopholes, to address things like asset limitations? What goes through your mind when I start talking about things like that?
2: Well, there's actually in this last I think it must be in this last year, there has been some legislation that's gone to Congress, which is like to, you know, to expand the asset limitation from 2000 to Mm $10,000 in the bill back better bill. Uh, Biden has included caregiving as part of infrastructure, which is so important because caregiving gives disabled people their equality in the world. So if you're, say, you have cerebral palsy and you can't really dress yourself or brush your teeth, then you need a caregiver to help you do that, to help you get ready for work. It's an equality issue. It's not special treatment or special extra help you're getting. It's the help is your equality. And that's kind of the mindset that we need to go to I was talking to a disabled friend yesterday and we were talking about the idea of pride and she was like saying is disability pride is is that the word we should be using because she was saying pride is such a public thing and you know a lot of disabled people are at home and they don't want to share everything. And it's actually part of the law, the ADA. You do not have to disclose your disability. It's, not, it's You have the right to not do that. You know, so basically when you're living in this culture where they're saying you don't have to disclose that you're disabled, um, this idea of pride, how does that fit into the disability culture? It. it it's kind of, it's a little confusing in my opinion.
1: We're going to have to wrap up here in just a minute. So Priya or Habanero, what are some closing thoughts you'd have for folks in terms of what we can do on a daily basis? We've mentioned a lot of them, but maybe we only get one or two as a takeaway. So what would you recommend?
2: Uh, I would, on a daily basis, I think, you know, if let's say you just, you walk to work and stuff like that, you see these sidewalks, I say use the Asheville app and like upload it. It's easy got the phone there's no you don't have to call anyone you don't have to talk to anyone you just put it up there invite disabled people to be a part of your events and things like that you know try to include online online aspects to your event because that is how you include disabled people those are just few few of the things like when you're planning an event i think you should automatically think, how can I do this online? It shouldn't be like, I don't feel like doing that or I have to bring it or all oh, I have to do this. It's like, you know, that's just, that should
0: just naturally be part of what you
2: think you have to do.
0: So I know for myself, one of the things, and I probably should have asked this question sooner, and I don't know how much time we have left, but um, <laughs> what kinds of things like, And I know sometimes it's awkward. You don't know how to ask a disabled person how you can help them or if they need help, because I know a lot of times people totally don't need help. And other times it's like I couldn't believe that I was sitting there and no one offered to, you know, whatever.
2: Yeah, that's a, that's kind of a difficult thing because disabled, like we said, disabled pe- people are all different. Let's let alone disabled people are also all different. And like, for me, if someone asks me if I need, like, I'll go driving and I can drive. I have a van. It has a lift. I can do that independently. I don't need any help with that. And people always, when they see me, they're like, oh, do you need help? And it does not bother me because I think a person stopping to ask another person if they need help is actually a good thing. Like we don't have enough of that in the world. So I totally 100% am not bothered by that and I just kindly tell the person no I don't need your help but thank you so much for asking whereas some people get really angry about that some disabled people get really angry so it's there's not one way to like do that but if you're the type of person that wants to ask a person if they need help then just do it in a nice way try to do it as on a you know because I think a lot of people when they're disabled they get angry about that they're like How dare you? think, I can't do this by myself. Uh, Just because I'm disabled doesn't mean I can't do this by myself. But I also know it's a learning process for people. So that's why I'm kind of like, no, I don't need your help. And sometimes I'll even be like, no, look, I can do this by myself. It's made so I can do this by myself. But thank you so much for asking. And I'll even show them like, look, I can lift the lift and do this all by myself. I don't need your help. But thank you so much for asking. And that's the way I choose to do it. Some people go to anger. So it's, it's there, unfortunately there is not one answer to that question, but, but I think you as a person should definitely offer help because I think it's kind and if that person gets mad just try to brush it off and if you didn't mean to be offensive then that's your action and feel confident in that action. And if someone gets mad at you, maybe they're having a bad day. Maybe they're in pain. Maybe something's going on and you're just going to have to like brush that off.
0: Or maybe somebody actually does need help. Like if that curb cut isn't where it's supposed to be and they might need a shoulder or a push to help oh, yeah. get up or over. And okay. there has
2: been there has been times where people ask me for help and I did need help. And I was like, Oh my God. Yes, I need your help. And that's the other thing. There's nothing wrong with needing help. That's like what I think the disability can teach us is that getting help is asking for help is okay.
1: Yeah. And you know, I think as we close, I think that's a really good positive message because at the end of the day, we're all in this together. Disabled folks are just one set, one subset. But as we said earlier, this could be any of us. So, you know, really let's just pitch in and be kind and be thoughtful And we like to say this a lot without really realizing it. But on this show, we often say, you know, be empathetic and put yourself in their shoes. And that's a great way to create change and a great way to create community. So that's it, folks. That's our show for the day. Thank you very much. And we'll talk to you next week on Solutions for the Underaffiliated.
0: Next up is Dreamers and Doers with Carol Anders.
3: Need somebody to love. Find me somebody to love. Find.